Wow, it's great to be back. I love this church. I love this body of believers. My wife and I uh, spent 10 years here and you are our family. This is our home church. And we're very grateful to be back today. So many familiar faces, so many friends, so many people that we consider our family. So thank you for this opportunity to be here. Uh, Nate told me um, that you're used to getting out around noon. So uh, I got about an hour to spend here. So I'm just kidding, relax. Um, Anyway, I will preach a, a brief message this morning, but before I do that, let me just give you a little update on our family and the work in Taiwan. Um, we are back for an extended time this time since our kids are all grown now. We dropped Andrew off at college a couple of weeks ago. We are now officially empty nesters. Many of you have already joined that club and now we are officially in that club. And yes, we do still like each other. Um, we've, we've managed to survive a couple of weeks without any children and it's, it's actually gone pretty well. Um, so Caitlin uh, is uh, 24 now. She lives in Pflugerville on the north side of Austin. She has a great job. She's a social worker, a case manager at a rehab hospital in Round Rock. And Ashlyn is in her senior year now at Hardin-Simmons University in Abilene. She's also studying social work and will graduate this next year and we'll see what the Lord has for her. And then Andrew is starting his freshman year at Texas State down in San Marcos, and he's studying to be a commercial cinematographer. And we don't know what that means. <laughs> so we, we just, we're just praying he gets a job someday. And that's, that's our hope for him. So, yeah. And so Krista and I are here through the end of January. We get to spend some extended time now at home, spend the holidays with our family. We've missed those for the last 10 years, and so we're excited to do that. We're excited to be here. Um, We are, as uh, he said, we're gonna be going on an extended tour outside of Texas for the next couple of months to visit with some of our other supporting churches and supporters. So we'll be gone for the next two months, and then we'll be back here in Amarillo for November, December, and January before we leave to go back to Taiwan. We've got good people in Taiwan now, uh, people that we've raised up to serve, and so the ministry there is going well. And I wanna say a word about Zach and Allison. I think you got the better end of that deal. Um, We are incredibly sad that they were unable to come and join us in Taiwan just by the circumstances, how they turned out, but we are so thankful that things worked out for them to be here with you and to serve here at, at TBC and um, to help in, in this way. And um, we're still friends, right? <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Things in Taiwan are going really well. Um, the churches are doing really well. We're looking to plant uh, two more works in the next couple of years. Uh, our Indonesian ministry is taking off uh, the Indonesian pastor. And some of you are saying, wait, I thought you were in Taiwan, not Indonesia. And yes, that's true. But Taiwan has a huge number of Indonesian migrant workers. These are people that Taiwan brings, Southeast Asians that Taiwan brings to do factory work and caregiving work among the population. So these are very low income jobs. 
and the Indo Indonesians in particular can only stay in Taiwan for 12 years. It's, uh, Indonesia is the largest Muslim country in the world. And so we have a unique opportunity while they're outside of Indonesia to reach them with the gospel. And we have a large number of them who come to our church in Taiwan. And so we wanna focus uh, some energy on that group and try to reach some of them with the gospel while they're in Taiwan and then send them back to Indonesia to be gospel witnesses there. And then we want to plant one more Taiwanese church over the next couple of years. So we're really excited about that. And we thank those of you, we thank you for giving. Um, as you, as uh, uh, Tim said, you are one of our mission partners and um, have been from the very beginning. And so, and then we wanna thank those of you who give individually as well to support our ministry. Um, the situation in China, uh, between China and Taiwan is always a little bit of a concern and we know that you hear lots of news about that and, and we get every meeting that we have with people here, we get asked about, you know, well, what's gonna happen, what's gonna happen? I don't know what's gonna happen. Um, I, I wish I could tell you, but I don't know. But what I do know is that God is sovereign. God is sovereign over even China. And uh, that's where Krista and I place our faith and trust is in the sovereign God who overrules the entire world and all things are in his hands. And so um, we, will, we, are, we are careful about the situation, but right now we feel no threat. Um, and I know Heath and Donna Hodger here in Jordan is one of our dear friends in Taiwan and they worry about him, but I just wanna set your minds at ease. We will tell Jordan to leave when he needs to leave. And we will be right behind him if that time comes. So don't worry. Anyway, let's pay some attention to the word of God this morning. How about, okay? If you'll stand, we're gonna look at Matthew chapter five, verses 13 through 16. Matthew chapter five, verses 13 through 16. And Tim pretty much preached the sermon uh, earlier in the, in the uh, service today. So thank you, Tim, for doing that for me. I just have a few more things to say, but it'll be brief. Matthew chapter five, verses 13 through 16. Jesus is speaking here, and this is the Sermon from the Mount. And he says, you, and when we read this you in the New Testament, oftentimes you can actually substitute our good West Texas word, y'all, okay? Uh, we American individualists really like to use the word you and we think of it, oh, he's talking to me. But actually Jesus in the, in the original language is talking to y'all. He's saying you all, okay? So think about that. Y'all are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Y'all are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come humbly before your word this morning and we pray that you will use it to inspire us, to encourage us, to discipline us, to transform us more into the image of your Son here on earth. 
that we might live lives that will be salt and light in this world. I pray this for Trinity Baptist Church. I pray this for this, these people. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, the first thing that I think we can see in this passage is that Jesus is telling us something about the world. And he uses these two pictures to illustrate what the situation is, salt and light. That decay and darkness are the current situation. Think about that for just a second. You are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, Well, if salt is what's needed and light is what's needed, then what does that say about the current situation of the world? That the world is decaying or the world needs salt and the world needs light. So the world must be a dark place and the world must be a place that needs salt. I'll say a little bit more about salt in just a second. So he's telling us about our influence and our responsibility in the world today. We are to have a subtle influence like salt, an unseen influence, similar to salt, and we're to have a direct influence, a a public influence that's similar to light. What if we rewrote the passage using some modern images? You are the oil of the earth. But if oil loses its power-making and plastic-forming abilities, how can it be made into oil again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out or left in the ground. Or you are the cell signal of the world. You can't go anywhere without a cell signal anymore. Neither do people buy a smartphone and put it in airplane mode. Instead, they leave it on 24-7 to stay connected. Maybe you're one of those really old people, and I'm not saying there's any of those people in here who turn off their cell phones occasionally, but pretty much nobody does that anymore. Maybe that helps you just a little bit consider just how impactful salt and light were in the first century. Today, be as present and impactful in the lives of others as oil and communications are today. So Jesus says you are the salt of the earth, not you are, not you have. You don't have salt, you are salt. Think about that for just a second. It's not that you're a Christian carrying around a little salt shaker. You are the salt. The church is the salt shaker. You're the salt. In this metaphor, the earth is the world and the salt is what? It's the essence of what Christ is, what he's already said in the Beatitudes that just preceded this. When Jesus brings up salt, I think he has this in mind, that his followers are to be like salt, although ordinary, salt is the most ordinary substance there is, it seems like, but we're to be everywhere and all around. When Jesus' listeners heard him say this, a few things would have popped into their minds. These are the ways that salt was commonly used in Jesus' day. As a preservative, it was used as a preservative. When you had meat, like fish, or raw meat that needed to be preserved. They didn't have refrigeration back in Jesus' day, so they would rub salt into it to preserve the meat, to prevent decay. They also used salt, just like we do, to give flavor to items, to to food. It was used as an antiseptic to prevent infection. So if you had a wound, they would rub salt into the wound to keep it from getting infected. 
And maybe surprisingly to you, it was also used as a fertilizer. Farmers would throw it into their fields as a fertilizer. So here's the idea Jesus is trying to communicate. As a preservative, Christians preserve what is good in the culture. Jesus' followers keep wholesome what's not already corrupted. And what is corrupt in the world, we oppose. We penetrate society for good and act as a kind of moral antiseptic. And we give a tang to life like salt gives to a dish of food. In addition, salt was used as a fertilizer for the soil, as I mentioned. And depending on the conditions, it could help the earth retain water, make fields easier to plow, release minerals for plants, kill weeds, protect crops from disease, stimulate growth, and increase yields. The reason this matters is because who is Jesus talking to here? Farmers. This was an agrarian society. Jesus is saying that his followers are like fertilizer. We're meant to be out in the world in places where challenging conditions are and life is hard. We're sent to enrich the soil, kill the weeds, protect against disease, stimulate growth. And as we scatter, life springs up in unexpected places. But he says, if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it lose its saltiness? it becomes diluted with other materials. Friends, our lives are to be kept pure, the Bible says. If our lives become so diluted, if we become mixed in with the world, then our salt has no saltiness. And Jesus said it might as well be thrown out and trampled on the road. Apart from the influence of Jesus' followers, what he's implying is the world will turn ever more rotten. Christians have the incredible effect of delaying moral and spiritual degradation. And if our lives are like the Beatitudes, then we cannot help but be an influence for good in society. Jesus goes on to talk about light. He says, y'all are the light of the world. Again, you are, not you have. We don't carry around little flashlights. We are light. The church is the light of the world. So you come here on Sundays or Wednesdays or whenever you gather, and it's almost like you're recharged. The light is brightened. And the implication, as I've already said, is that the world is a dark place. So Jesus uses two pictures. He says, a city set on a hill and a lamp set on a stand. Just like a city set on a hill illuminates the darkness with its light. We who live here in West Texas kind of still understand this because you can drive in between towns and it's dark in between the towns. And when you come out of that darkness and you see the city, the city's lights shining out of the darkness, it's a welcome sight. When you live down in the Austin or Central Texas area, there's no place that's not lighted. But out here we understand that. And this is the exact occasion that Jesus is talking about in the ancient world as pilgrims or travelers would have been walking in between towns. It would have been very dark on the path in the night and they would have welcomed the sight of the lights of a city illuminated in the darkness. Christians who let their light shine before men cannot be hidden and the good light that they shine pushes back the darkness of sin and corruption. I wonder how many of you have ever been in a blackout where the power is out. 
you know the precious value of that candle or that flashlight. And you search through your house, right? When the power goes out, you search through your house and you find that flashlight and you click and you remember you forgot to change the batteries and you're still in the darkness. And so then you look for a candle and a match. When you finally find one, how wonderful it is. The light of that candle fills the room. You don't hide it under a bowl. You put it in the center of the room so the light fills the room. Jesus goes on to say, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. How do we let our light shine? Through good deeds. But the question comes up that there are plenty of people who do good deeds who are not Christians, right? So what's the difference? Well, let's remember the context of these verses and what Jesus has just said. He has just talked about the character of the kingdom. Let's look back at the verses preceding this. In verse three, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Christ-likeness. Performing good deeds, good works that are not for the purpose of furthering your own reputation and building your own name, even to the point of being persecuted. These are the kind of good works that Jesus is talking about. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has ordained that we should walk in them. Your good works are a complement to the preaching of the word, Good works in the lives of Christians are one of the means ordained by God for convincing sinners of the truth of Jesus and glorifying God in the world. When you share Christ with someone out in the world, if it's not backed up by a godly life and by the good works that Jesus is talking about here, then the word doesn't have as much power as it could have. There's one more point worth making. Jesus is not talking to an individual, as I've said. He's saying, y'all. He's talking to the group. And salt and light, if you think about it, are most effective in what form? Their collective form. What I mean by that is that they have their greatest effect when found in greater quantities. Right? When you're sitting at the dining table eating food, you don't take the salt shaker and, okay, I just want one grain of salt. No, you, you shake that thing because you want a lot of salt, even though the doctor says you're not supposed to. And when you are in darkness, you turn on lights. You don't turn on a light. You want lots of light. One candle offers just a little light, but with greater quantity, their power is multiplied. Jesus is saying that God's plan is the people of God moving out into the world in number. So how can we be salt and light today? To be salt, I think, 
means to intentionally seek to influence people by showing them the unconditional love of Christ through good deeds. Let me say that again. To be salt today means to intentionally seek to influence people by showing them the unconditional love of Christ through good deeds. That's gonna look different for every person in this room because God has placed all kinds of interesting people in your lives that you interact with every week. So you may ask me, well, Todd, tell me what to do. I can't. The Holy Spirit can. The Holy Spirit can equip you and enable you and show you exactly what to do with the people that God has placed in your life. The good deeds that you're supposed to perform. To be light, what does that mean? I think it means to be a witness to others concerning the truth of God's word. It's not just friendship evangelism, friends. It's not just being nice. It's saying a good word, a truthful word about Jesus Christ. Particularly about who Christ is and how he died and rose again for our salvation. We must tell the truth about Jesus in love. We must tell the truth about Jesus. So we must be salt and light. And like I said, the church is the flashlight, if you will, or the church is the salt shaker. And every week you gather to become a little more salty or a little more charged up, and then you go out during the week and you shake yourselves out into the community. You shine brightly out into the world. That's my encouragement for you today. I told you I wouldn't keep you here until 12. Some of you may be here today, are here because, well, all of us are here actually today because someone was salt and light for us. Just think about that for a second. Somebody was salt and light to you. And that's the reason the gospel became real for you. Maybe today you're here for the first time or just recently started coming and the reason you're here is because someone performed a good deed for the gospel and they said a good word about Jesus. And you are ready to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Now is the time for you to do that. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a church home. You, you're not actually in the salt shaker. Well, friends, I just want to say something about church membership today. And I'm, I'm actually still a member of this church, by the way. Yeah, I, never, I never moved my membership. So I guess you can kick me out after this one. But no, you wouldn't do that. Church membership is important. Because if you're just an individual grain of salt, like I said, you, you really are pretty ineffective. You really need to be part of the collective. You need to be part of the group. You need to be in the salt shaker. So I wanna encourage you today, consider being a part of this group of salty people.
And I use that word good. I, some people are salty and that's not a good word. But I think salty in this case is a good word. Be salty. Be light. So maybe today you would come and say, I want to join with this church. It's okay that the pastor's not here. You can still do that. He would be really happy if you did. So in just a second, we're going to sing. Casey's going to lead us. The pastoral staff will be down here at the front. And you come and make whatever decision the Lord has led you to do. Let's stand. I'm going to pray. And then we'll sing. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for speaking to us this morning through it. And God, whatever decision you would have anybody in this room make this morning, maybe for the members of this church, the decision is simply where they stand to be more salty, to be more of a light to the people that you've placed in their lives. Or maybe there's somebody here who would say, you know what, I need Jesus. I need to give my life to this beautiful person, Christ. Or maybe you wanna come and join with this church. Whatever decision you have to make, would you please make it now? In Jesus' name, amen.